You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today, or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Now, from the cheap seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. Good morning and welcome to From the Cheap Seats. This is Brandon Atkins here. I have Trent T. Nichols in the house. Good morning, good morning. We have Diamond D. David Kaplan in the house talking about some U.S. Open this past weekend. Exciting stuff. Yeah, I'm geek. I'm recharged um, from this last, you know, Father's Day weekend. Um, Happy Father's Day! Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, feels like something's missing here, though. I can't quite put my finger on it. Yeah, I don't. Here, what? Here, here in the studio, I've had this song in my head. Um, I've been told it's by the Beach Boys. The Aruba, Jamaica. Ooh, I wanna take. I don't know the rest of the lyrics, but um. Our man Chris DeLambert is on vacation. He went to Aruba, so oh, we're really yeah. we're. It's kind of a mixed feel in the room. Some of us miss them. I won't yeah. tell you who. Somebody else doesn't feel like you're even. You know, you're even gone. That's why it <laughs> smells a little better in here. Right? It does smell a little <laughs> bit better. And I forgot about my man Tim Copus on the wheels of steel on the ones and twos. He's going to take care of us today and make sure the show goes right. Slip rock. <clears throat> You know, if it doesn't, if it's not right the first time, maybe the second time <laughs> around. Inside joke. But um, anyway, how are you guys doing? Great. Have a good weekend. I was in Savannah. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Hot. Savannah? But it, yeah, it's a cool city. A lot of squares in, in Savannah. Awesome. Beautiful little squares. Yeah, in I've, between never, all the I've never been down to Savannah. It's, uh, you know, old cotton exchange city. That was like the first stock market. Uh, cool city. A lot of old stuff, Spanish moss, everything you think about a southern coastal town. You know, you just went down there for the food, though. Right. Pretty much, I mean, that's what you do is look at beautiful we did old houses. And, yeah, you know. all the Paula Dean stuff and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> I probably gained about eight pounds. Yeah. The food, the green beer. You know, uh, Savannah has, I think, 120,000 people uh, in the um, 
in the for their population. On St. Patrick's Day, over one million. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That's like New that's Orleans uh, Mardi Gras there. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Um, but Chris, there's no filling in your seat, buddy. We're missing you. And uh, I heard um, – actually, David, what, it's Ned's so, birthday, so what, yeah. what was the deal with that? So Chris said, uh, have you ever had a better birthday as they were sitting out, I think, by the pool there in Aruba and – and she replied, well, when she was five, she had a sleepover. So there was that. <laughs> so that's what you're competing with, Chris, is a sleepover. Happy birthday, Nedge. I know that you're, what, 29 again. So happy birthday. I hope you guys get uh, have fun and get back safe. But um, just speaking of this last past weekend, Father's Day, I got a card from one of my daughters that said it was awesome. It said, happy Father's Day. Keep playing golf and you will achieve great things. And I was like, she has never seen me on a golf course. But I I like the way you're going. But we had a U.S. Open happen at Aaron Hills and uh, Aaron Hills rather, and um, bringing Diamond D in here to talk a little bit, little bit about this Kepka fella that nobody I've never heard of the guy. So oh um, yeah, he's been around. I mean, he's had top fives and three or four other majors and. Quite a player hits the ball a country mile. I mean, you look at those shoulders and those arms. I mean, it's a different athlete for several years now right. on the PGA Tour or even in worldwide golf. I mean, Rory's pretty ripped. He takes working out pretty serious as well. And uh, this guy in Dustin Johnson, last year's U.S. Open champion, work out together and really compete. Wow. I mean, they're in the gym. They've got videos out there. You can probably see it. Uh, out on social media feeds where they're they're competing in the gym uh, on a daily basis and and uh, also Ricky Fowler there's a lot of guys down there in that Jupiter Florida area that played together mm-hmm. and you have to imagine as here's Brooks Kepka next to last group he knows he's balling it was the hardest day uh, by far with some wind that mm-hmm. picked up there on Sunday and um, and he knows he's he's got to be winning this thing. They they say he was trying to keep a, eyes off the scoreboard. Right. And uh, he, uh, but it it didn't matter. I mean, and I think playing with those guys on a regular basis probably helps prepare you. And he even alluded to this. He he's played in the Ryder Cup already. So mm-hmm. I mean, you can tell he's got some talent. He's one of the top ten Americans, twelve Americans, yeah. if he's picked for a Ryder Cup team. Gotcha. And he he talked about how he was gonna lean on that experience uh, there on Sunday in the U.S. Open. And, and all those golfers talk about when you play for your country, you're pay- playing for some of the most pressure. There's no money involved. Right. It's just all prestige and pressure and bragging rights. And, and that, that really gets them to, you know, to, to feel those emotions. And, and he played on that on Sunday, and it helped him through. Well, that was interesting. Um, Trent and I were talking about it a little earlier. You know, cause I, I – I don't know how much golf you watch, Trent, but we're kind of like this Kepka guy. We were watching the leaderboard to see if we should be really paying attention to this or not, and we were kind of like, eh. I saw Ricky Fowler, who finished what ten under. He did, yeah, tied yeah. for fifth. And yeah, so, he opened it up Thursday on on fire and and uh, set a record, all this sort of stuff. But then Justin Thomas, of course, on Saturday shoots sixty three. It wasn't the the same U.S. Open golf course that we're accustomed to well yeah and and that's the thing i think you were kind of alluding it i mean before you hear rory talk about hey these guys you know we have a 60 yard thing we can hit it in you can't Mm -hmm. really complain about the uh 
the tall grass or whatever. Right. And I'm sitting there going, man, this is this is going to be bad. Nobody's right. going to be over or under par. You know, mm-hmm. it's going to be amazing. And it sounds like the only guy, I mean, there was like five guys maybe at Rory's press conference because those guys just destroyed it and stayed right. out of the grass and, and did it. And Rory didn't even make the cut. But the problem was that first day when we lost Jason Day, Rory, right. and uh, Dustin Johnson, I'm like, yeah, all right, we, what, yeah. what is big, going on? I didn't even know. Departed. It's kind of like the top ten in the world with the exception of Ricky yeah, uh, and Sergio. Sergio played okay. Uh, with the exception of those two, thought they were playing a normal U.S. Open, and the rest of the field was like, you know, this and, and rain. Let's get this right. It did not. The wind did not blow. It's a Lynx-looking golf course, although it's not a Lynx-style course. So let me tell you the difference there. A Lynx-style course, you're going to hit a lot of running out shots, run them onto the greens. These greens were plateaued up, so mm-hmm. you can't run them onto them. It's you had to carry the ball out there, but it's wide cool. open. So obviously the wind in a wide open golf course is always going to be a defense mechanism. The other thing is, is, is it rained uh, a couple nights over an inch. And so the greens and the fairways were Never more receptive. Yeah. And, and although they're 60-yard fairways, if they're 60-yard fairways that are firm and they really run off, that makes them narrower in essence. But when they're 60 yards and wide, this guy can hit it 330 in the air and land it and know that it's not going to hop off 10 what? yards one way or the other. And right. I just don't – I don't think the weather – I think when they imagined picking this course that I think they needed more of the weather to make it more challenging. Right. Because I think once these guys got comfortable, they just ripped it apart. Right. And and that's what what you're talking about is kind of what Stricker's talking about now. What The width of the fairway, can you expand a little bit about that as someone who just takes a hack at the little white ball about what that kind of difference that makes? Understand this, when we play golf, we probably like those firm fairways. Maybe not the firm greens, but right. we like the firm fairways because we're going to get some rollout. And we, first of all, we're not creating 180, 190 mile an hour ball speed like some of these guys are. So if you're a fraction off at 130 miles an hour ball speed, it's not really going that far out of play. But if you're a fraction off at 190 mile ball, uh, ball speed, you're ways offline. And then when it lands, if you're going to land into fescue that or could roll off into fescue that's either four inches deep or waist high <laughs> right versus you know the rough at sanford golf course or tobacco road is not going to be that severe yeah, obviously I, what tobacco road's got some i some heard other stuff kevin nah actually they still can't find him in that rough <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> he's complaining I, from it was the a rough. great post by uh, i think it was lee westwood that came crawling out of there and <laughs> yeah. it, it looked like an alligator coming out of there or, or what was the uh, the other one was a guy took was swinging a club and all of a sudden you see an arm throw it and yeah, rolled up onto right. the green. That was brilliant. That was that beef. Yeah, beef. Yeah, yeah beef. I love that guy. That guy's awesome. Well, and correct me if I'm wrong. Seems like when I was watching some, they said that a left-hander had never won a U.S. Open or something like that. Yeah. But, but he actually he plays left-handed, but it's actually right-handed. Are you talking or, about Brian Harmon? Yeah, maybe that was the yeah, one. Yeah, Brian Harmon. A left-hander has never won the U.S. Amateur, which Brian Harmon did, and also won the U.S. Open, or maybe there's been a couple, but there hasn't been many. So he would have been in some really elite company wow. if he pulled that feet off. Gotcha. Okay, so that's but what But I'll was... tell you something that's so cool about Brian Harmon. It'll show you the diversity that this course did offer. I like the course. 
We're going to talk about. I'm going to talk about one more thing with scoring. Uh, but uh, Brian Harmon is one of the shortest players out there, and of course Kepka's just farm strong, ripped beast of a guy. And they're the two that inevitably were, you know, were challenging each other at the end. So it really didn't matter how far you hit it. Sure. Uh, it just mattered if you kept it in play. Now, obviously, it's a big advantage if you could hit it 380, 390 yards and keep it in play. But the other thing that I want to say is it was a par 72. Most U.S. Opens are par 70s. They only have two par 5s. Gotcha. So if you dial back a couple of those par 5s that were 600-plus and let them play a tee around 520 and call it a par 4, those scores aren't – he didn't shoot 16 under. He would have shot, you know, maybe eight under, nine yeah. under, or something like that. That's a six to eight stroke difference over four rounds, in my opinion. So that's a big key to understand. Uh, I think Pebble Beach is about the only other course they'll play a par 72 for the U.S. Open. Well, and I think the uh, the thing that was the most amazing is just thinking about Kepka going 62 out of 72 greens and regulation. That's huge. Which is insane yep. in the so, u.s open so 140 you, rounds under par that's an i mean among the field that's another insane yeah. stat for so is US there open. any way besides that he's just on that you can explain a performance like that i mean yeah if he can hit it that straight it's a lot like dustin johnson they're a lot alike if they hit fairways and their wedge game is remotely decent right. i mean he had not hit it less more than a seven iron into a par four the entire week yeah he was teeing off the last day, and a little bit because he knew he was he was good, but the farthest drive he hit was with a three wood on that on 18, par five. Yeah, yeah he, just, he just hit a three hundred eighty yard three wood. Huh, that was Brandon <laughs> Atkins' power. You know? Oh yeah, <laughs> exactly. He yeah. hit a speed slot, but he roped it. I mean, it was a bullet. It was a good looking shot. Well, but. I think that as we go, we're we're coming up on that break, but I would like to talk about this Kepka and like kind of his mentality. Yeah. I mean, hearing some interesting stuff about that. Well, it's just like yeah. if you were out playing golf and you had somebody out playing against you in a foursome and they're absolutely smoking you and they say it's boring, how does that make you feel on the other side? Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts. Every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit JimmyV.org. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. 
Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. And we are back here from the Cheap Seats. Thanks for joining us. But um, in the last segment, I kind of asked David Kaplan a question about if he's playing golf. And he's a, a very competitive, good golfer here. I've played with him many times. He's very nice to me in my poor game out there. But I was just asking the question if he was playing someone and he's absolutely getting smoked and they turn around and say, man, I'm bored. (laughs) How does that make you feel? And then a a larger question, and the the reason I'm asking the question is Kepka won the U.S. Open and he says golf is kind of boring to him. Yeah. The odd thing about that, he says he loves baseball, which to me – I'd rather watch paint drop. But what does that do for a sport that seems to be, you know, especially when you have Day and Spieth and them drop off the first day, they're just not going to be in it. A a sport that – how does that make you feel? And then a sport that's kind of seemingly losing some of its momentum and viewership to have someone who says it's boring. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I think with – Parody in sports. I mean, the last seven majors, we've had a new guy. So is this good for golf? And is it good for golf that we've had seven different winners? And is it good for golf for a guy saying, you know what, I'm kind of bored with it and I don't just doesn't have that passion? Right. You said, well, it said the last six or seven people who've won a major, this is their first major, right? Right. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Well, I think uh, golf in general – has always excelled when you had a rivalry. Yeah. Uh, and in some cases, you know, with Jack, he had multiple rivals over the years. Tiger, you could kind of see the same way, although Phil was probably your dominant rival for him. And and then you also have a superstar. It's kind of like love or hate the Yankees. When the Yankees are on top, people are going to watch more sure. baseball. That, yeah. that sort of deal. So, yeah, the parity and, – and the fields are deep. I mean, these guys are athletes now, and, and they're, they're all very mechanical. There's a lot of science behind it. And, and we, we talked about this last week, I believe. You know, 120 people in the field, literally you can make an argument for the majority of them, 90% plus, that they could win. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's not always been the case. And, well, I mean, and, 10 years ago you could be – you could pick five. Right. You know, there'd be five yeah. guys. Now it's like, you know, 40 guys realistically could do it. I remember, you know, they used to do bets all the time, Tiger versus the field. Yeah. And oh, sometimes yeah. Tiger seemed to be the odds-on <laughs> betting favorite yeah. on that. So you're not going to see that anymore. Yeah, I, that's crazy. I, I just don't think you do. I think there's too much depth, too much uh, talent, too much, too many athletes right. that, that's in the sport. Now, I would like to see Kepka's frame of mind after he's become a major champion. He probably does if he, you know, what separated and really took interest out of the golf tournament is when he made the three putts on the back nine, back to back to back. Mm-hmm. Um, really, four putts, including a parse, but then three birdies in a row that really separated him from the field. Up to that point, it was a little bit of a seesaw. Uh, Harmon played, I still think Brian Harmon played a good round on Sunday. Uh, he seems to be a real clutch player. Right. He's a player I think a lot of people can relate to because he hits it like 280 off the tee, uh, and he just scrambles. Mm-hmm. You know, and he, he won the Wells Fargo by making a gagger. Uh, but these guys don't show much emotion either. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if, if you saw Kepka walk off the green, I think 
he rode with his girlfriend on a golf cart like a half mile to the clubhouse to the score before he really showed any emotion. Yeah, they right. said it was probably – I mean, the celebration was not the normal, I just won the U.S. Open or won a major. But that's the thing. I don't think as a society or as a sports fan that we're used to somebody winning something that's so important to so many people and have him say, you know, my grandfather and my father, my grandfather was a great baseball player. I love baseball. Golf is, you know, he's naturally a great talent and he's an amazing player, but I don't think we're used to the fact that maybe he doesn't love the game as much as other people. Well, and that's one of the things that I really liked about Tiger. It's not like everybody else I'm making an observation about Kepka on the greens. Not like everybody else wasn't celebrating when they were hitting putts, but Tiger's fist pump after a hit putt, the whole crowd going crazy, yeah. really kind of got you going and going, man, I'd really love to be there right there in that moment. And Kepka's hitting these long putts. I saw him hit one, and he looked like he was just like, you know, yeah. on tip, a practice Tip it game. a hat and move on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I mean, there's – there's a huge break. It's 12 feet long, and he's just like I'm. I, you knew he was kind of going to hit the putt just the, by well, his body language. And I think that's why so many people love watching the Ryder Cup. Is because because you, the you passion see the true and the crowd. Passion. Even. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The the crowd, the emotion. Sometimes it crosses the line. I can agree with that. And right. and perhaps in Tiger celebrations and other golfers out there that really show a lot of emotion. Sometimes maybe they cross the line, but. I'd rather him at least push the line. Yeah. And just well, I mean, I think tip the, happy, of the cat and move on. The happy Gilmore <laughs> yeah. got us all, you know, because that, that movie came out and all of a sudden now they're getting a little bit more of that spark. I want to see that passion. I want to hear right. those crowds at the Ryder Cup during that whole thing. I think you know? Ka- Kaplan would be the guy to go, geez, people, go back to your shanties. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Stop grounding your club. Just kidding. I know that yeah. was Richard Blackwater. Um, but, you know, I. I was just curious about Kepka, his demeanor. Golf needs – they have stars. But when they fall off like they did on the front end of a tournament, an open like the U.S. Open, which is outside of the – depending on who you are, it's the Masters or the U.S. Open. You know, where does the interest come from? Because I really tried. I mean, it was interesting to watch this guy pull away from the field like he did. There weren't as many names. Ricky Fowler was there. That's the one I was kind of pulling for. Maybe that's another question I have for you in just a minute, just about Ricky Fowler. Like, what do you see him doing with the rest of his career? It seems like he's in the picture, but there's a writer here on ESPN that's saying at some point you got to figure out that you're not a Kardashian, that right. you actually have to – I don't know. Does he not put in the work? I mean, what – try to explain I think he puts in the work. I, you know, and I don't – I really don't think he played all that bad. Um, right. He He – a little sideways with his driver at time with times which which cost him quite a bit uh and although he putted exceptionally well through the entire weekend he three putted twice in a row on on uh, saturday and then three or on friday and then three putted again yesterday in a crucial time frame and it seems like he would just make the mistake at the wrong time that just kept any momentum from building for him but i will say this on the 18th hole Ricky hit a 300-yard three-iron onto the green. Wow. That's nuts. And he's not a big guy. Right. And just roped a a three-iron. His 680-yard hole uh, driver three-iron, you know, middle of the green, two-putt for birdie. Let's move on. Well, and that's the thing about these golfers. 
you said they're real athletes these days, and they are. But uh, I remember last year, Chris and I went to the Wyndham, and you got to see a lot of these guys. There weren't a lot of – there was no real superstars. But there was a couple. And you see their body types, and you, you just – I guess it doesn't translate from TV to being right beside these guys, but they're not like, you know, they're not huge muscular. I guess maybe Kepka is, but some of these guys are just really slim and they get this power on the ball that yeah. almost just can't be explained. Kind yeah, of like I know, David. I, I know Kepka um, is, uh, loves baseball, and that that's obviously his first love, what he would now, going back, he said he'd like to pay his uh, attention into, but I could. I could see him playing linebacker for the Tar Heels next year. I'm right. like, that dude's – Well, I mean, he's stacked. But, yeah. you know, the majority yeah, of them are right. real right. slim. And maybe there's some of the younger Where golfers. is it their legs and their, their core that is probably right. core. thicker yeah. than normal? You know, they don't yeah. need the big broad shoulders or the, the arms. I mean, obviously they have to have the forearm strength and stuff like that. But Well, the golf swing's so much about timing and, yeah. and what happens a couple feet before impact through impact. And, sure. You know, there's you, you'll see athletes who could obviously generate some clubhead speed, whether they're football players, basketball, or, or uh, baseball players. But if they're losing energy prior to impact, and their club speed is elsewhere, it's all about uh, club speed through impact where they get that distance. That's it helps we, if you're two fifty six four, but <laughs> that's how you that's how you generate all your power, right? <clears throat> David Cowley. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and by the way, I'm not joking. This I've got, like, Brian Harmon power, though, so that's... <laughs> to, what, 280? No, I would say I'd be the equivalent of Brian Harmon power, right? Yeah. 280, you'd be more like this Kepka cat. No, I'm like the uh, senior near. tour power. I don't... I have, <laughs> I've got nothing left. 250, I'm hey, happy. Hey, some of those guys on the senior tour rip it. John yeah. Daly. We talked about him already. John Daly. <laughs> This, I love John Daly. I don't think Fred Couples has lost any distance. He's like almost sixty years old. Yeah. Where did uh, DL 3s kid come in? Did he just? I don't know. I think he made the cut. He was he was right there at making the cut. I watched him on Friday. Never they never showed him on the weekend. I thought that so would man. be somewhat of a story, but you know I'm showing my homerism for my Carolina Tar Heels in DL3. But, uh, yeah, I'm just interested to see what Ricky Fowler – I mean, is he ever going to be – is he ever going to be in that group of maybe three or four, like with Spieth and the rest of the I think guys? he can. I think it would be great for the game if, if he would get there. Right. Um, uh, Spieth, Dustin Johnson, there's three American guys that can really uh, – you know, draw some crowds, draw some attention. And so. Andy North was talking already that the way the, the Open, the British Open, uh, sets up that Ricky Fowler should be probably in contention there. Yeah. So. I actually thought he would do better on um, Sunday. He he played out at Oklahoma State, seems to do well in the With wind. With the wind, yeah. Right. And, and so I was disappointed, uh, you know. But he would have needed uh, 66 or 65 again to, to catch uh, Kepka, so – why? Well, he was close, and that's what everybody was saying, is with the wind, it could play into Ricky Fowler's. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess it's the flight of his ball or whatever the case may be. Um, but, Trent, what were you going to say? I think, I mean, the celebration is maybe the, the winds are changing at the U.S. Open. I mean, five players after the third round were are, uh, 10 under par or better right. entering, the five, uh, entering the final round. And before this year, only six golfers have ever reached double digits under par at any point. Right. In the US. And you had seven finish at ten or better. Which all is I was looking 
I was looking for some big-time penalties in the high fescue. Did one yeah. stand out that was kind of funny? I was looking for those, and I never did it see It seemed any. like they were all able to at least get it back out in the fairway and not right. kill themselves. I think I heard yeah. one guy take – it took him like three times, but I didn't see anything. Some of the bunkers seemed to be more penal than that rough. You know, they got odd lies in the bunkers. and yeah. Well, Kevin and I, we're still looking for you. Yeah. Um, we got the search party out for you. But um, – well, we're going to move off from golf. Speaking of penalties in the grass and stuff, it looks like Louisville has some potential penalties coming up with their basketball program. We're going to talk about that on the other side. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Atkin. You might not love your seats, but you'll love the show. When I was just a tiny baby, I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today. You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Now, from the cheap seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins, 
All right, welcome back to From the Cheap Seats, streaming to you live at WBLZ Sports. We've got balls. You can also listen to this next half hour on WDCC 90.5 The Beat. Just remember to like us on Facebook at From the Cheap Seats, and you can follow all the action on Twitter at Cheap Seats Radio. And but if, if you can't figure out what to follow and what to like, just do both. You can follow and like us and hate us, or you can email us. If you want to get a hold of Brandon, please email him. Send me uh, a (laughs) – I don't have a Twitter. Send me a fax. Or a postcard. I tried to tweet Brandon Atkins this weekend, and uh, I don't think he got it. So sorry about that. I'm working on that, the guys. I'm, this technology stuff, I know that it's been around, what, 15 years now? Brandon doesn't want to get in trouble with the NCAA by uh, getting too many text messages and tweets, so That's he is right. not on twi- Twitter. I'm actually on probation right now. <laughs> Four-year four probation for tweeting. So speaking of probation, Louisville has done and gotten themselves in some trouble. And when the story broke out about the party with the strippers, I don't think any of us – thought, ooh, that's a good thing. <laughs> that's a good look. Well, I thought it was a good thing if I was going to try to go play basketball at Louisville, but, you know. Well, the, here's my <laughs> – there's a lot to talk about here. First of all, we were talking about what actually is happening to their program. And first of all, if you don't know, Louisville got busted by throwing a party. Um, strippers were there. Recruits came in. They ended up having you know sex with the strippers. The big problem is, is there were Louisville employees there at the party kind of helping things along. Setting it all up. Now, see, the thing is, they had 15 different basketball prospects that went to this. This was something that was organized to be by somebody on the team. So to put that in perspective, 15 recruits is basically three full recruiting classes that went through this program to try to have them come to Louisville. Right. So it's not like, you know, it kind of makes me chuckle because things like this, not exactly like this, but related to this, happens at every university known to man. The problem is, is that Louisville had a hand in and organizing it. Be kind of like if Roy, David Kaplan, if you went to play basketball in Carolina and Roy Williams introduced you to Tracy Lords or something like that. So, I mean, the fact that, and, you know, Rick Patino says you can't always know and he's saying I'm I don't I've lost my trust in the NCAA you can't always know what your kids are doing but you hired this McGee fellow who set things up in you know in probably wearing a Louisville shirt or something <laughs> right and that's a big no no and so now what they're looking at and Trent you can go down the list the biggie is that the 2013 banner can come down but here's what they're looking at so right now there it's a one year postseason ban which is they can choose when they want to do this postseason ban to uh, secure their future. So that's kind of a which, joke. Which actually they put an, uh, their own postseason ban last year, right? Yeah, and now they have to do another one. Oh, with they the have NCAA. to do another one? Okay. Yes, okay. this is the NCAA one. They got a $5,000 fine, which to me is another joke because the athletic department collected more than $104 million in revenue in 2014 and 15. David Kaplan's got that in his wallet right now. <laughs> That's a nothing. Five thousand? Yeah. Yeah, no. That's walk around. That's what money. he spent on food in Savannah. That's that wa- might be true. That's walk around <laughs> money for David Kaplan. 
The big one, I mean, another one that can hurt is the reduction of scholarships. They only have six total scholarships that they're going to get reduced down, but it's in a five-year period. They don't get to recruit this past April in 2017, and they had a reduction of office visits, and they're on four years probation. So the biggest thing that they are appealing is the loss uh, of all those wins. Right and the 2013 title. Now, if they do take those away, they drop from being one of the top 10 all-time in wins to being in the top 25. It's 108 regular season wins that they'll lose and 15 tournament wins. And to your point, how long and how much can we say that coaches don't know what's going on? I mean, I'm sure there's some stuff, but come on now. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I look mean, at the way that Patino dresses. I mean, he's a <laughs> Patino so, himself yeah. got in trouble for some shenanigans in going a, on with somebody. It was in right. an Italian restaurant, I think, or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. So, I mean, he, stuff. they yeah. only learned it by watching him. That's right. Can we I learned it you from you, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> Fifteen recruits. Now, did all of them go and play? No, and see, that's the thing where these uh, – why the penalties were because I think it was four players that actually ended up on Louisville. So based on that, the player that they would lose on the 2013 championship, the player that was on the team at that time, he would have been ineligible. So that's right. why they're getting penalized. Gotcha. So they didn't get penalized for all 15, but – they had 15. I don't know how many years in a row they did this, but at certain point, 15 recruits went through this party in a dorm. Couldn't you see Calipari saying, hey, uh, why don't you go on a recruiting visit over there to Louisville <laughs> and then sign with us? Right. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be too sure if McGee had a Kentucky shirt on right. underneath <laughs> his Louisville shirt just to help Calipari. Yeah, that's funny. Like, it's hard to make Calipari blush, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> He's like – Dag Patino, I'll, I'll see how you have it rigged up. Yeah, you're right. Send them over there for the party and then sign with us. Well, Rick, right. Rick Patino got suspended for five games, okay? So now we've had three Hall of Fame coaches in the last two years getting suspended uh, for regular season games. Jim Beheim from Syracuse and mm-hmm. one other guy. But the guy from uh, Tennessee, he got fired for holding a cookout. Yeah. I mean, so what's the – it's probably Where's the he standard? Probably because he wasn't winning either. Yeah. You know, I mean, that probably had a lot to do with it. There's a lot of patience that the fan base and just everybody has with someone who's actually winning games. I mean, just look at Calipari. He's the only coach that's had two Final Four appearances vacated in the NCAA for basketball, and he's still coaching at one of the big, the right. you know, the blue blood. And it's well, because he's winning. If well, he Louisville winning, may top him. You know, they try to be better than Kentucky. So if Louisville gets their national title retracted, that's the first time in NCAA history that a basketball team would lose their title as well, far as, you know. The only thing I can think of is comparable because I, I try to pull up championships because, trust me, no Louisville fan is worried about Patino missing five regular season right. games. They're worried about that 2013 banner coming down. Yep. And I know I'm not ready to talk about it yet, but, but the Carolina stuff that we have pending out there, the only thing that terrifies me is that maybe 2005, the, just the potential of that ever coming down would just like – it'd be like a dagger to the heart. But I was looking at some of these uh, championships were vacated. None have been um, vacated for men's basketball, but the only thing that comes close is the USC vac- vacated yeah, men's with football. Bush. Right. But they had smoking guns, like, all over the place. It was just kind of like, okay. 
Yeah. You know, it's pretty obvious that people were just taking money, especially Reggie Bush. You know, just well, I've always been waiting for Cam Newton's uh, championship to get vacated because, I mean, I just the way that that whole story went, you thought that sometime right. Auburn's going to get nailed at some point. I wish his Super Bowl appearance was vacated. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty horrible. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, how does that – I mean, he, it was pretty much proven that he had some issues there at Auburn, and, and you know, they get the best quarterback, college quarterback on earth. Of course, they win the, the ring. But And his dad was out there saying, you give me this amount of money, my kid will come and play for you. It's like, come on. How is that not a violation? But if you think about this, how okay, it makes you nervous that North Carolina will lose that that title, but the NCAA's got their thing together now. I mean, they're you coming so? down strong. They're a lot more organized than they used to be. Because, I mean, okay, I grew up in the time with Bob Knight, you know, Dean Smith, uh, Gene Cady out in Purdue. None of these guys got – I mean, you got you can't tell me that all these old-time coaches didn't make these violations and now I think they've gotten their thing together because of some botched. Okay, hold up. Well, I'm going to disagree. Go ahead, David. No. I heard a story once kind of going back to the I didn't think about this when I made the Calipari comment, but that Dean Smith Phil Ford's dad came to him and said, "Hey, I went down to Clemson and they gave me this shoebox. It was full of $100 bills." and uh, asked Coach Smith, what do I do? He said, I'd sign with Carolina. (laughs) I'd stay as far away from Clemson as you can. (laughs) So, you know, I I don't think Dean Smith, I mean, you know, it would really disrupt my entire knowledge of North Carolina basketball if if Dean Smith did Well, yeah, I don't – I'm not going to accuse Dean Smith of making any violations, but, I mean, it's just now they have things in place where I think they've been embarrassed enough with some of these penalties that they've given out that if I was a UNC fan – I don't know. I mean, well, what's going to happen? Is this going to force Roy into retirement? or? Well, hold on. Let's don't quite get there yet. Let's go back to what we were talking about, how the NCAA, I think they're handling this potentially awfully because if that 2013 banner, if they don't have the proof for that to come down and you're looking at five games missed, not the team, Patino, and then one scholarship per year for four years, unless they do something else, which I can imagine that they would in that four-year span, and the $5,000 fine, that's a slap on the wrist. Some of these guys were 17 years old. Mm -hmm. There's stories out there that one of the recruits said, they walked into a room with a stripper and he was like, oh, no, 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 I don't want any part of this. And actual Louisville employees said, no, 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 come back in and coaxed them back in. And then he ended up doing the deed. I mean, but yeah, that's a lot different than anything that we've ever seen where someone's actually been caught with coaxing players or recruits come back. No, 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 it's okay. Have sex with a stripper and then sign on with our, you know, our team for the following year. And if that banner doesn't come down, I can guarantee you that everybody across the nation all the talking heads, they're going to go, that's pretty much a slap in the wrist. Yeah. Well, I think it's a, a foregone conclusion that. It's going to come down. I mean, I would be – I know this is a horrible thing in their minors, but if I had a program that was set up to help me in classes just so I could stay eligible, I think that's a bigger deal to a college. I mean, that's a big deal to a college. Well, so, I mean, what UNC potentially faces 
could be okay. It could be a slap in the wrist, but if the banner doesn't come down, other coaches are looking at that. Maybe I'll cheat too. You know what I'm saying? And then you know, Carolina. We'll, we'll listen in the next segment. Let's talk about how what Carolina fans are thinking with their you know the pending decision from the NCAA coming around the corner. And I'd be interested to hear you know what you guys think about that. And because um, there's a lot of concerns. I've heard everything from. The 2005 to postseason bans. Um, so it's something that's got me scared as a longtime Carolina fan. So we'll just see going into the next segment to see what your thoughts are. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts, every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit jimmyv.org. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seat. And welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. I'm cracking up because David Kaplan's hilarious. We're just talking to Tim Copas on the Wheels of Steel. And the subject of him always being on vacation seemingly came up. And David said that he's actually a hologram back there. He's not there. He's not actually in the booth. He's with Kristen Lambert in Aruba. So I guess we miss both of them now. Right. If he's not I hope really they there. wear sunscreen, but I got a text that... Uh, Chris, or yeah, Chris thinks that uh, the rum would be good enough. It'll keep him protected. Oh so, yeah, no, no sunscreen for Chris. Mm. I can just imagine Tim and Chris in a pool sipping on these big fruity drinks in Aruba. How fun that would be! He he says he can too. <laughs> so we're coming back. We're talking about you know this probation on the Louisville basketball team. Um, you know, I have some opinions. Obviously, if the banner doesn't come down, you're not really doing anything to them. Just look at, um, you know, certain programs that were able to rebuild after, you know, having their wrists slapped. But, you know, David, you were wanting to comment about something as we move well, into some of the – your comparison of the coaches. Well, I think over the last 10, maybe even 20 years, compared to going back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, of course, social media awareness, cell phones, all those sorts of things weren't available. But I also think those coaches like Bobby Knight, Coach Smith, uh, some of those old school coaches, even Krzyzewski in the beginning, they could recruit to the parent. 
And I think what you're finding now is the kid needs to be recruited. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and then you can talk about the stability of the home, single parents, all these sorts of things. Uh, and, of course, money is probably a huge factor on the demographic that these players are coming out of. And it might be another victim of the one and done. I mean, right. you know, Bob Knight was recruiting guys that all of them, I mean, besides Isaiah Thomas, all of his guys, he had a 96% graduation rate at IU. Right. So, I mean, these guys are staying for four years, and now you're just trying to pluck somebody that is basically trying to figure out where he can go, play as much as he can to become a millionaire in a year, you know? Right. Yep, definitely. Yeah, so I mean, they're just, just doing whatever it takes. We've never gotten to this point. That's what's a, that's nobody ever thought a banner would come down. Realistically, I mean, you may have your own opinions, but it's different when there's runner-ups. We've had runner-ups. You know, Memphis is a runner-up. Yeah, we've had those vacated. We've never had rings taken away. Not, I don't know if they would actually take the rings away, but they'd be meaningless. And actual banners coming down out of the rafters. So, I mean, that is huge, and I can guarantee you that that would actually get most schools straight if they actually saw one of um, you know your household brand basketball programs having their banner coming down. And that's kind of what's got me a little nervous about this seemingly seven-year process that Carolina's had to go through. Yeah. I think that's the most difficult part about it is, all right, well, what's the deal? But they want to investigate and investigate and research and investigate and just tell them. And, you know, you got to give uh, Coach Fedora a lot of props and pat on the back. He's had to endure it his whole career as a football coach. Yep. And you can tell it's – I mean, Roy even made, Roy even made post-game comments after a championship game that perhaps this victory's a little sweeter considering – or this championship's a little sweeter considering all the other stuff going on. Yeah. And I follow – um, I follow stuff on Facebook. I follow a Carolina sports page on Facebook. And the times of when Carolina would get a top outside of the top 100 recruit and people are excited, that didn't used to happen to our program. Right. Now we get excited about that player, um, and that may have something to do with social networks and everything being right in front of you uh, and having easy access to it. But the negative recruiting has absolutely hurt North Carolina. No doubt. There's no question about that, yeah. correct? So, you know, I'm just thinking, just theoretically, because I do feel like I do have some sources that I talk to. I do feel like the 2005 banner has been at least discussed. Now, whether it was realistic or not, it has been discussed. I feel like what we're looking at potentially is facing some type of postseason ban, potentially. Um, I do think this third party... Uh, study that came out had a ton of holes in it about who actually participated in these, you know, paper classes or whatever the case may be. So our attorneys, I guess Carolina's attorneys, have really outlawed the NCAA and kind of embarrassed them. So maybe that back and forth they have drugged this thing out so long, like seven years, I think is what it is, the mm -hmm. negative recruiting. But I can tell you there's not a Carolina fan out there that cares that much about Roy Williams missing five games. No. They care about the 2005 banner because I think that's the only well, one. And, and I think that's unfair to Roy. I mean. Absolutely it is. Yeah, I doubt he has much really to do with any of that. And I guess you could say that uh, 
Cal, not Calipari, but uh, Patino might be saying that same thing, although that might be a little questionable. Well, you had the University of Maryland president say a month or so ago that potentially the death banner, I the, mean the death sentence. The death is, penalty. Yeah, the death penalty is like SMU and the football program a whole year from the sport and all this other stuff is looming out there for North Carolina, which should that. Well, I mean, look what happened to Syracuse. I mean, Bayheim got suspended for nine games, and they lost 12 scholarships in, for four years. I yeah, mean, but the so they got big time before, and it took them eight years to do their investigation. That's right, but, but for Bayheim's program, their team wasn't that good. The one, I think that whole season they, they either vacated or mm-hmm. didn't go to the postseason. They, they were awful. Um, Carolina, year in, year out, most of the time, is except for some of the Matt Doherty years. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of my theory is Matt Doherty, potentially the 2005, why well, I can see it maybe happening, is because Roy, it wasn't his players. He wasn't around when some of this stuff was going on. And so they can say Roy wasn't a part of it. Matt Doherty is kind of the scapegoat. We can make an example out of Carolina. But that goes back to my point. Does it, what does this Louisville thing set? How does that set the table moving forward for Carolina? Like, I mean, should we look at, at you know, I'm a fan, so I'm saying we. Should people look at the Louisville, this punishment that's being handed out? This is going, ooh, Carolina, if this is what they got, guess what you got coming, on, coming up? So but what exactly is North Carolina getting accused of? They're getting accused accused of, I guess, and the, and the bottom line is that there, there were classes, the African-American study classes, that weren't actually classes. They were paper, paper classes, and that, I guess, is viewed as a benefit to helping keeping their players eligible during right. the time they were at Carolina. Problem is, is they were offered to all students, which I think is a big difference. So I feel like... All my, students, but the athletes tend to... So, yeah, I mean, get that's, acceptance that's the, the thing. Problem. How is the NCAA going to view that compared to what Louisville did and what Syracuse did well, when they go? Are they going to fall below what they did to Louisville, or are they going to uh, do more than what they did to Syracuse? Maybe I mean, Louisville should have offered strippers to all the student body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there so, you go. But well, like, I, I kind of think when it comes down to an academic issue, you know, this is not an academic issue with Louisville. Because not all those kids went to that school. Right. And, and in addition to that, it's more of a recruitment type tool, yeah. that sort of thing. An academic issue, I feel like, should be policed by the university. They have accreditations that they have That's to right. account to. They, they have to clean that up or they have more severe penalties that could defraud all the diplomas ever given to all students that ever attended. Mm-hmm. So now... Albeit, I guess the athletes might get some special tutoring in these paper classes, uh, although anybody could have taken them. Uh, I, I wish I would have known about them. That could have helped my GPA a little bit. But, <laughs> but uh, I, I never I, – look, it was hard for me. And, and I would say 95% of the classes at that university are difficult. Yes, I would agree. I am actually one of the only people on earth that I know of that didn't actually take have to take the swim test. But let's keep you it. didn't have to take the swim test? Huh. Now that this is out there, I'm sure I'll be getting a call. Yeah. Come out here. I can still swim, so I don't <laughs> mind taking care of it. No, I mean I, at the time I had I was a you know, I had 
um, had been a lifeguard and had all these certifications, oh, yeah. and the guy found out about it, and my advisor says, I don't think you got to tell you this. So I kind of right. brag about that from time well, to time. Well, you can – I had a roommate in college, Johnny Lynn Cox. He's a pharmacist, uh, great guy from Mount Airy or Mount Airy. Um, <laughs> Depending on where you are. He could not swim. And uh, this is way off the subject. But anyway, he could not swim, and so he had to take the swim class. And I didn't know he could not swim, and we were pretty heavy into the intramural sports there. We did inner tube water to- polo, and he was just – he would compete in anything. So there he is, and he falls off his inner tube. And he's struggling. It's like an eight-foot-deep pool. He's struggling. We had to go over there and get him to the side of the pool. I'm like, dude, you can't swim. <laughs> he couldn't swim. Hold I, up. Yeah, inner I, tube water polo? Is an intramural Come sport, on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, could you have a beer out there while you're on the inner tube? I mean, that's kind of defeating the purpose no, of water polo. you could polo, have right? some beer before you went. Oh, okay. I don't well, think they'd allow it in the pool. What was, what was the name of that pool down there in, uh, in between? Right I there can't above, remember. You know what I'm talking about, down yeah. at the bottom. Yep. Fetzer Pool or something like that. It might have been Fetzer. Right. It might have right. been Fetzer. So uh, we were the Crazy Mules, and we were the intramural team of the year in 1998, and I was the intramural athlete of the year for the campus. Oh, nice. Wow. Not, not because of athletic ability, but I played everything. I was on all the teams, and there was a few that I excelled at, but I just did everything. I can so. just hear them. Oh, here comes David Kaplan. Yeah. Gosh, this guy have to participate in everything? You better pick yeah. him first or he's going to pout. So what's yeah. the biggest thing you've ever won? Just think about that and then think about the 2005 championship taken away. Like what's the biggest thing? You wouldn't mind if you had to go to work. Let's say somebody said you're suspended for work for the next two weeks. You might take that as a good thing. Like not being able to coach five games during a regular season, you don't really care about that. It's that one big thing that you've won that you might have a trophy up or a great memory. It makes you a legacy in the town. Yeah, I mean, you know, bragging rights. That that would be one ring when Roy goes on his recruiting trip that he can't pull out of the case in the living room. Like he does. That's what he does. He pulls out the rings, and that'd be one he'd have to just put back in the closet or turn back into the I'd NCAA. Still show it. Yeah, but do you think? I, <laughs> I mean, would. do you think they even look at that? I mean, so fine. It's it's struck from the. They're not going to take back those rings. You know, they still want it in the moment. You can't erase that. They don't give the championship to the other team. I've heard people say, "Oh, they just can't, they can't take it away from us," but they actually they can. I, I mean, think. I mean, yeah. it might end up being a fight they can't win. They could take it off the. I think there's list. another fight. Speaking of that fight, people think well, somebody can't win. The fight in Illini would have a championship, and there's some more fighting talk that we have coming on the other side. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Atkins. You might not love your seats, but you'll love the show. When I was just a tiny baby, I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. 
Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Todos. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today. You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's Strong, and then there's Army Strong. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Now, from the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. All right, welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. I am Trent Nichols here with Brandon Atkins. We are trying our best to fill in for Mr. Chris DeLambert. If you're still with us, we are still coming there from WBLZ Sports because we've got balls. The rest of you can hear us on SoundCloud with our podcast. Check us out. Follow us on From the Cheap Seats. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Also, From the Cheap Seats and Twitter at CheapSeatRadio.com. We won't yell and scream at you. Come on and uh, give us your opinion. Drop us a line at... Cheap at uh, CheapSeatsRadio at gmail.com. Also, if you want anything, we'd love to get your opinions on the show or just leave us a comment right there on Facebook. Well, before Tim Copus's hologram left, he took a part and shot and said, I don't think you guys need Crystal Lambert. And Chris, I'm here oh. to say we absolutely do. Oh, yes, please. Tim's, Tim's kind of a mean guy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if, if you rub him the wrong way or if you're not ready to start or – if he's in a hurry, he, he gets a little grumpy and he says some ugly things. But Trent and I were talking on the break. Man, we absolutely miss you, man. So yeah. Drink a few for us in Aruba and get back here as soon as possible. Yeah, no more vacations. Yeah, no more vacations. <laughs> but we were talking about the fight that Carolina might have on their hands 
in the wake of this Louisville decision, which made us start thinking about a potential fight coming up in the MMA. I guess it, it, you can't just call it MMA now. No, it's boxing. It's straight I mean, up boxing. I will tell you, August 26th, I am going to be right there at Brandon Atkins uh, TV watching this pay-per-view event because, A, I don't want to pay the money for it, but I will if I have to. And, B, I have to be there with his surround sound, hopefully watching Mayweather get popped by McGregor. Yeah, I mean, this thing is unbelievable that it came so quickly and that it's actually coming true. I think those, you know, I think I was talking to Chris a while back, and he goes, "Man, that ain't gonna, that thing's never gonna happen." And I, t- I, I was like, "Man, I can't really argue with that. I don't think it's gonna happen. It's almost either. too good to be true." And then, you know, I was looking at the impact this is having in Vegas. I mean, Vegas is not a small place. Have you seen the hotels? The hotel, the hotel rooms are going up like per hotel room, a hundred, hundred fifty dollars per pop per night. I had kind of flirted with maybe trying to get out there as like a bucket list item but i just don't think i'm selling enough real estate to get that (laughs) done i mean this thing is unbelievable this is such a amazing spectacular show that is going to be put on and it could end up being one of the worst boxing matches ever i mean mayweather is not a fun fighter to watch he doesn't hit you and he won't let you hit him. Right. So, and McGregor, this is his first real boxing, and he's got some power. I mean, he, he can pop you. if he He's confident enough that if he can hit Mayweather in one of these 12 rounds, he can knock him out. You know, which, the, the big winner in all of this is Conor McGregor, right? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got absolutely zero to lose. He's got a built-in excuse yep. to lose. I think the only thing, even if he got knocked out, he wins, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of money. How a much lot of money. It? I mean, he was making, what, $325 a week on welfare three years ago, but he has nothing to lose. And if he wins, he is like the Muhammad Ali oh of my. this generation because he's a trash talker and he's backing it up. And if you're Mayweather, you're 49-0, and 0, and you're going to go against this wild, insane Irishman and risk <laughs> you retiring undefeated i re- i really don't understand why he's doing well, it. well w- would they have a rematch but the rematch be ultimate fighting well see but never. i i don't think they'll never. ever be able to do that because mayweather's what 40 he'll be 41 yeah. but that's what they were talking about they're like if mayweather loses then how much money would the rematch be well, i they, mean we're talking about 800 million dollars now this is just it would be insane well, right. you know it's well, funny. if he loses they need to do a rematch boxing you know just box again yeah well mayweather would want it and but you would even get more money because everyone would be it depends on if it's an actual fight right, right. If, they, if they if if mayweather just ducks and hides and connor doesn't really try then nobody's going to want to pay for that again right you know everybody's saying hey look you know the purists on both sides boxing and mixed martial arts they're both on both sides saying oh this is not going to be good consumers are winning because just the press conference alone that's about to happen with conor mcgregor talking seeing how mayweather they should make that pay-per-view so (laughs) all of us fans and consumers we've already won because we're going to get to see this thing unfold and i can't wait to see conor mcgregor Across from Mayweather, it's, I mean, that's just, just going to be talking. so hilarious. Just talking trash, trying to get in his head. And I will say this too: if I was um, Conor McGregor's trainer, 
going into the fight because we know it's boxing only. They have certain what ounce gloves mm-hmm. that Heavier they have than to what wear. he's used to. Mm-hmm. I would tell him as soon as you guys got announced and you're in the ring and right before you guys go, I'd do a couple of practice roundhouse kicks. Even though you can't use it, right. just, <laughs> I would just do some powerful roundhouse kicks in the air and just make sure Mayweather saw it, just to plant that seed in his head that, hey, man, if things are going bad, you might get one of these. <laughs> yeah. And just I would just try it out. You know, and it can't do anything but get the crowd pumped up. Right. And then that's going to be what's interesting to me is if Mayweather – we already know because against Pacquiao and all these other skilled boxers, you the the hope was that Mayweather would always come out and try to slug it with him, and it's never happened in what forty nine bouts. Yeah. So he's definitely not going to do it now. The big question is: Is Connor really going to go after him? Which I feel like he's kind of got to do it, just kind of mm-hmm. like what you're saying, David Kaplan. If he actually goes after him and it's exciting and maybe it goes a few rounds. Which I'm thinking it probably goes what? If he never gets them, it goes the distance, right? Right. Yep. So if if it's exciting, you're gonna want to see the, that rematch, which I think would be a stroke of genius. It might be even better if Connor doesn't not I don't know. What do you think? What 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 are you looking for in the fight? Uh it, it, like you said, just not a cat and mouse game. Yeah. You know, just they actually do fight and it's not all the hype. But even if it is all the hype, it's going to be a half a billion dollars. I mean, it's a, it's a lot of money. It's a, it's a maybe a one-off event type thing, but it's a, I mean, it's a marketing genius. Yeah, I haven't you know? been this excited since uh, Rocky Balboa decided to fight Thunderlips. I mean, no. this is Thunderlips. This is the which one did I miss? Hulk Hogan. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> that's right. Thunderlips. The joke only works if you get the reference. I mean, right. I get it now. Just it's been a while. But I mean, I think you know what McGregor is sitting there going, you know what? I have twelve rounds to punch this guy in the face, and he's quick enough. He has a longer reach. Right. He's heavier than. He'll have the stamina. I mean, all he all he's thinking is if I can hit him, I can hurt him. And Mayweather doesn't. I mean, I don't think. Mayweather, when he started, he used to box. Mm-hmm. I've seen maybe four or five of Mayweather's last fight, and he has—he's the greatest defensive boxer ever. He doesn't let you hit him. Right. One of the best fighters right now, Canelo Alvarez, landed like 15 punches the whole match against Mayweather. I mean, Mayweather, even Pacquiao couldn't even hit him. But McGregor's going to be crazy enough to get right up in his face and try to pop him. And he has a strong enough chin that he can take something from Mayweather. Mayweather's not a knockout artist. Right. He is, I'm going to beat you. I will land 15, 20 punches around just enough so the judges give me the round. And in 12 rounds, I'll be the winner. McGregor's going in there going, I have 12 rounds to knock this guy out. Yeah. And I'm going to do it. So that's the one I'm looking forward to. Like, wasn't it Nick Diaz he lost to? He had to go up in weight. Yeah. He punt- I watched that fight. He was winning a lot of the first part of that fight, and I feel like he punched himself out. Diaz is bigger, weighs more. Just he just happened to take- catch him. He happened to catch him, but McGregor was tired. I feel like if he ha- he had to, f- I mean, with you know, I think that first bout, he just got worn out, punched himself out. Do you th- see him potentially punching himself out with Mayweather? No, because I think he's been, since his last fight, all he's been doing is conditioning himself. And he understands he's got to last 12 rounds. 
So boxers, I mean, they take rounds off where they don't really fight. I don't think they're ever going to sit there and dance and grapple each other. I think they will dance around a lot. But I think McGregor, he'll come out strong. And if it doesn't work after the first round or second round, I think he'll take it easy a little bit. But I don't think there's any way that he's going to be – he is going to be so juiced. Even this guy, Chris Van uh, Heerden, that explained that – that uh, released that video of him spawning with uh, McGregor. Right. The problem with that video is that was over a year ago. He's had over a year to prepare. Oh, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, that has no credit to me. The three of us are in sales in one capacity or another. You know, who's got the biggest sales job after this fight has to be Dana White. Because Conor McGregor is making that – he's the guy who's bringing – putting butts in seats, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. How much is he making? Is it how, – how many – 100 – is it 100 million? I think McGregor's making – I don't know exactly, but I think they're both making 100 million. $100 million to never have to get in a ring again. And, you know, Conor McGregor has already proven in the past that he doesn't like, you know, Dana White's bullying tactics about being showing up for different media events. Mm-hmm. So he may just say – now, I think the odds are him getting this paycheck and go, telling Dana White to go kick rocks. But Dana White is out there trying to sell that, no, he's a, he's our star and he'll come back and fight. Yeah. Do you think there's any chance he comes back and has to do Brazilian jiu-jitsu with somebody again when he can make this kind of money, stand-up boxing? Hmm. If, if he comes out, if he can beat Mayweather, he will be the new king of boxing and MMA. And I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. He could fight an MMA fight, a UFC fight once a year, and then a boxing match once a year. He could be a, a cross the path, the greatest fighter ever, you know, and just start beating up everybody and be the king. But I think that's the kind of ego he has. He wants to be the king of the. He wants to be the show. He yeah. is. He wants to be the greatest of all time, and that's why I'm talking Muhammad Ali esque. I mean, and he's backing up his words. Yeah, look at Muhammad Ali now. Yeah, well, at the end of his life, he might yeah. take the hundred million and hang out with Chris in Aruba. Yeah, but he could. But I don't think his ego will let him. He's You're such a competitive. Right. He's You're been working right. so hard to do it. I don't think he's just going to disappear. Well, isn't it interesting that the biggest, the one who comes to win, you know, has the most to win here is Conor McGregor, and the sport that has the most to win is mixed martial arts here because you can't really lose. If Mayweather gets knocked out, that's another blow to an already dying sport, yeah. boxing. And, you know, the, nobody wants to see somebody chased around the ring. That's why, you know, Pacquiao and that matchup was still really good. But don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. 
You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts, every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit JimmyV.org. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. And welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. We still have Diamond D in the house, David Kaplan, Trent Ooh. Nichols, which is T Nicks, T Nichols, and I, Brandon Atkins. I don't have a nickname. If you guys could come up with one at some point in time over the, you know, this segment would be kind Old of Old cool. Man Potter. That's not exactly what I was looking for. <laughs> If we could come up with a little, something a little sexier than that, that would be fantastic. But, um, yeah, so we were talking about in the break, and I kind of made the point that I felt like MMA was, like, the big winner in this matchup. You guys both disagree. So talk to me a little bit. I think your gener- the general consensus on that side of the table is that boxing's actually winning. Tell me a little bit about your opinion on that, uh, Diamond D. Well, yeah, I mean, you look at boxing, it's it's a bit of a dying sport, so to speak, from a rating standpoint. Uh, You go all the way back to the days where Don King promoting these fights and all that. It was the pay-per-view was made probably off of boxing, right? Right. And and now it's, I think it almost plays second fiddle to uh, ultimate fighting and mixed martial arts. And so this bringing McGregor into this arena and and the personality that he brings is, is bringing light to boxing again in a different form and might bring some of that showmanship. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think that with the ways of Mike Tyson going to pri- uh, prison, Evander Holyfield, George Foreman coming back and making a, uh, a comeback, I think that helped boxing maintain through the 90s. Um, but lately, I mean, not having an American heavyweight champion not having a really i mean the heavyweight champion the klitschko brothers have held on to those belts for so long that heavyweight fighting is really where it was at and we haven't had that so absolutely boxing is a dying sport that people don't really unless they're die they're really diehard boxing fans there's not a big draw to it and ufc came from you know get into this octagon and pummel each other until somebody dies basically until they had to regulate it a little bit now is a, a billion dollar corporation when with Dana White and his partners what they did with it that hands down no matter what anybody says I think boxing is winning by plucking one of the biggest stars in UFC and letting them fight basically one of the last of the great boxers who's undefeated letting this you know, loudmouth come in there and do this is going to gain entrance. And I mean, right after a month after this fight is even a bigger boxing match, which is a Triple G versus Canelo Alvarez, which boxing fans have been waiting for 
forever. And then after that, there's another huge fight. So right. this kind of helps them promote all that, where if this mm-hmm. turns out to be a good show and McGregor and Mayweather put on a good show and if people enjoy it, they may be able to get more people to view boxing saying, you know what, UFC, you know, that's cool, but... These guys aren't, you know, choking each other out and rolling around on the ring and doing all that stuff. They're just in here beating the junk out of each right. other, old-fashioned way. Well, maybe everyone wins because I don't remember right. if you guys um, remember when <coughs> the UFC first started. The very beginning, um, I remember the very first ones, and it was unique and interesting because they sold it as, look at all these different fighting styles. All mm-hmm. over the world, mm-hmm. and now they're going to come in together, and we're going to see kind of how they fare the against best? each other. Who knew that basically Brazilian jiu-jitsu and stand-up striking, and with a little kickboxing sprinkled in, would basically be the best. Right. <laughs> um, but at the time, it was interesting. It didn't automatically happen. You had guys like Tank Abbott coming in, who was just basically throwing haymakers. Super exciting. He'd punch himself out in the first forty-five seconds, but it was. You saw real action. And then you saw Dan Severin and Shamrock mm-hmm. and Hoist Gracie and all those guys. And then, you know, Hoist could never, nobody could figure out Gracie's move with the gi and he'd choke people out twice the size. And that has a little bit, that's what's interesting about this, even though they're fighting strictly with boxing rules and basically stripping Connor of all his, what his skill set is. It's got a little bit of like, who wins, uh, you know, a polar bear or a silverback gorilla, you know, and you kind of throw them in and there to the ring. and that's Michael kind of Phelps or a shark. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, that to me has me interested because you just don't know. And we're all hoping for the best that it's not, you know, just dancing around the ring. And I'll say you're taking, a, I guess, Dana White has finally lost enough control. I need to read up a little bit more than this. Because if Conor McGregor does get this payday and goes away, Ronda Rousey was carrying the sport for the longest time. Now, mm-hmm. if you just pull it up or watch you know, women's um, mixed martial arts, one lady is one athlete is beating the heck out of another one, and it seems like a different one every week now. It's just mm-hmm. cycling through. And you just really haven't had a chance to – Gravitate Rousey for some uh, for a while. It didn't look like anybody was going to beat her ever. Yeah. I mean, they were already comparing her to the great undefeated athletes of all time. Now she's just in that mix of this cyborg or you know Megan Anderson coming around the corner, something like that. You know, so I think MMA has the most to gain by this fight, but almost almost the most to lose in some ways by, you know, if McGregor gets this big payday, not wanting to come back to the sport. But boxing has, I think, an equal amount to lose as well because if Mayweather gets clocked, then it kind of it, it kind of delegitimizes their sport a little bit. Um, but I think there's a lot of what Mayweather has made himself to be is that villain. So a lot of boxing fans watch his fights hoping that somebody knocks the junk out of him. <laughs> right. You know? So, I mean, it may not work out that way where it may be exactly what boxing needs. Somebody beat the junk out of this crap. This guy can't even read, and he's got his own brand, and he flies around, and he's flashing money everywhere and he, all he, this stuff. I mean, I was at a restaurant that. yesterday at the Buffalo Wild Wings here in Sanford. Shameless plug, sorry. And the guy was wearing a Money Mayweather uh, 
hat there. I mean, he's everywhere. So he doesn't even pack clothes for his trips. Like <laughs> yeah. he lands in his own private jet and then sends people out to buy stuff for him. I mean, that's how you roll. No, win or lose, right he's, he's just going to own an NBA team after this. Look, you see me in an airport with a, without a garbage bag. Sometimes yeah. you're seeing something special. That's Not how Chris DeLambert rolled down to Aruba. He arrived. He said, "Go find me stuff." Yeah, oh, is that and how a bottle of rum? And Ned was <laughs> and a like, "Bottle of rum." That's right. Ned was like, "You go find your own." Story. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'll be chilling down here by the pool. All he needs is a swimsuit and a bottle of rum. <laughs> Whoa! Now I need a bottle of rum because now I'm like thinking about Chris's swimsuit now, and I need to erase that from my brain. Uh, Not Chris. I bet you look good. Um, yeah. <laughs> Missing you, buddy. Send me some pics. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess, to you know, this whole thing, I feel that Conor McGregor, if he ends up knocking Mayweather out, first of all, are there any women pulling for Mayweather out there? I mean, he's he's domestic. If there's, you know, if you look at the um, the definition of domestic violence, his picture's pretty much there, right? I yeah. Mean, he's hated by anybody with any – you know, integrity or class, but women are probably pulling for Conor McGregor. I bet you if you pulled up some stats, there are probably more women tuning in for this fight than probably years past, unless David Kaplan came up and showed up in yeah. his, like, uh, his swimming trunks and started. <laughs> yeah, my speedo. I think, uh, I think it's oh, interesting Lord. to see how much of a favorite Mayweather was. And now after this weekend, it's been basically cut in half because so many people are betting on McGregor. Right. Mm-hmm. I Just because. Yeah, the human aspect of it. I'll, you know, throw 100 bucks on him, you win 700 Okay. I'll take that shot. You know, why not? Vegas knows what they're doing. I mean, they, they know how to get that thing evened out to the middle. Um they're just a, just the Vegas thing just kills me. Um, going back to J.R. Smith hitting the meaningless three. <laughs> he backed into a nine-point spread, perfectly nine-point spread because he hits a needless three at the end of game whatever what it was, uh, game six or whatever, um, game game five. But, uh, yeah, Vegas knows what they're doing, and they know what they're doing here because they knew that if you kept the line close, nobody would really – there's no emotional tie to Mayweather to bet on that side. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I know, you know, it may be something I want to put a little – some cash down on some McGregor, have a little, you know, cheddar invested into the fight. So does it go 12 rounds? I'd say so. I say so. I think they're going to, I think you're going to be disappointed. I think they're going to dance around and dodge each other. 12 rounds. Well, Mayweather goes 50 and 0 on a decision. Wow. I mean, that, that's probably what likely is going to happen, right? You know, I mean, um, that's what I, I think, think. All the talking heads. I think that's yeah. I mean, if you were a smart guy, is Connor going to be able to punch through some of his blocks and stuff? I mean, is he that powerful where he can actually wear him out some with some big body blows? I mean, really, when he got when he, where he got Pacquiao is, I think Pacquiao was hurt going into the fight. But where he got him is that Pacquiao finally kind of got a little tired, and that's yeah, the first right. time you saw the the Mayweather flurry come out. But I would, I would love to see it go. I'd love to see it go twelve. But I have a feeling if it goes twelve, it means that it's bad news for Conor McGregor. Right. 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 Yeah. No doubt. I mean, he's got to either punch him out quick, or maybe he takes the time. And that's another thing. I even thought if I was his manager, Conor McGregor's, 
If he wants to go stand in this corner, you stand over here and rest. Wait till the 11th round, 10th, 11th round. I want him to be circling the ring like he does, like real low, crouching down, like he's about ready to pounce. I mean, I can just envision it's the 10th round. They're both kind of, you know, beating up. McGregor looks tired. And then the Apollo Cree, Rocky Balboa thing happens. They both land this great punch, and they're kind of struggling, climbing the ring to get back up. And McGregor takes them and knocked out Mayweather. It's my prediction. Mayweather knockout in 10. And then Mayweather's head pops off and rolls into, like, the second row. And, and it's actually Ronda off. Rousey. It's not even him. <laughs> they take the mask off at the end, and it was Ronda Rousey. It's Tim Copas. Oh, it's Tim, Tim Copas rears his ugly head. No, nah, if it was Tim Copas, Conor McGregor's arms would be going through him because it's a hologram of Tim Copas. Yeah. He's not even really there. But, uh, yeah, it should be interesting. I I'll be interested to, to see how everything, you know, shakes out, um, d- regardless of how it goes. Who wins? Boxing desperately needs help because everybody hates May- Mayweather. You're right. The Klitschko brothers have had the belt for what? A decade yeah, at least? 10 or 11 years. So that's a mixed martial arts. We'll move on to basketball over the next segment. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Atkins. You might not love your seats, but you'll love the show. When I was just a tiny baby, I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today. You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today, or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. My name is Bobby. 
I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Now, from the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. All right. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. Brandon Atkins here. Chris DeLambert's in Aruba doing something in poolside. We have T. Nichols in the house, Diamond D. David Kaplan. And uh, just when you're sick and tired of NBA, we're going to talk about it a little bit more <laughs> here in just a second. But um, talking to David Kaplan on the on the break and something interesting to tie into the you know um college world series baseball and uh right that must be chris calling in chris calling in from aruba it is aruba is he is he texting this picture of him in a speedo drinking the rum he said he couldn't be reached reached so he's like don't even try to reach me and so uh that's Pretty shocking that he actually. But he's posting on Facebook, and he uh, can't be. Reached. Well, he heard what we, uh, Tim Copas said on the way out of here about we don't need Chris uh, oh, Lambert, yeah. and yeah. so he's calling in to fuss about that. But you had an interesting tie-in, well, uh, with the golf world and college uh, baseball right, World right. Series, I, and I think it's important to go back to Brooks Kepka a little bit because uh, we uh, we missed one pretty entertaining moment. You know, at the end of any golf tournament, and here comes the major champions going to be crowned. The announcers always have their backstory. I think we, we could say maybe Bob Costas is like one of the best at this. Well, yeah. Joe Buck, who, by the way, is far better in baseball than golf, in my opinion. No, anything, no offense, Joe Buck. Anything than golf. Right. But uh, anyway, he has this backstory <laughs> as uh, uh, Brooks Kepka's girlfriend comes out and kisses him there on the 18th green or right off the 18th green. And he says um, – uh, he identified uh, Kepka's girlfriend as his ex-soccer-playing girlfriend that he met at Florida State, Becky Edwards. And Brad Faxon, who happens to know uh, Brooks Kepka pretty well, is kind of in his camp, so to speak, said, uh, Joe, uh, actually, that's his new girlfriend, uh, Jenna <laughs> Sims. <laughs> and, and so, I don't know, hopefully uh, Miss Sims can get over that pretty easily, oh, uh, pretty quickly. But anyway... So that was pretty interesting, but but and 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 we kind of raised some eyebrows. Of course, most if Brad Faxon never interrupted, nobody probably would have known other than folks cut. Close How to hard him. were you laughing though when this? Oh, I was like, oh man, that's all. Nailed it, nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> the the worst uh, example I've ever heard of is when Michael Jordan won his first championship. And his wife came down, and it, I think it's one of those famous ones where he's holding right. the trophy and he's crying. And his wife's there, and the the interviewer re- references to her as hey, your mother's here. You know? Oh yes, I remember uh, that. That was awful. And <laughs> I just remember going, I feel so horrible for her right now, oh. and this guy trying to conduct mm. this interview. <laughs> you got to know that's MJ's wife, right? But uh, I guess that's how it will trans, uh, you know, transition. Well. Into- yeah, so Brooks Kepka is a graduate of Florida State who's playing Cal State Fullerton today. 
in an elimination game in the College World Series. And the importance behind that is Dustin Johnson, U.S. Open champion last year, was a graduate of Coastal Carolina, or at least played for Coastal Carolina. And so if we have symmetry in back-to-back years, guys that hang out, big athletic guys win the U.S. Open, then Florida State's going to need to win today and then come back and beat either uh, LSU or Oregon State uh, to carry on to the final two. Uh, so there's a little symmetry. That would be cool. It. That would be cool. Yeah. So we got, going forward, you can say, well, who's going to win the uh, U.S. Open? And then we'll know ahead of time uh, who's yeah, going to win. Yeah, who to bet college. on. Yeah, who to bet on in the college <laughs> All right, let's follow that. That yeah. seems like it's a trend there that we can follow. I'll, we have I'll, it on tape. We can listen to it forever. I'll bet some of your money on that, David. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, oh, say, so, okay. So, NBA. Let's talk a little bit. We got some moving and a shaking around the NBA here. We got the the draft coming up Thursday, and there's been a trade. Celtics have traded their number one pick for the Sixers' third pick. And then we got some Paul New uh, Paul George news to talk about. But I'm in the break. I'm talking to these guys, talking to David and Trent, and I'm like, the Celtics are fleecing the seven seventy Sixers right now, and I. Here's just kind of my opinion. Mark, you, uh, you have Fultz here. Marco Fultz, mm-hmm. projected number one. I've seen the tape on this guy. He's amazing when healthy. The reason, Yeah, I've got a comment about that. Good. Though. I agree that he's dirty. I mean, he's quick. And yeah. I think SportsCenter had something where they were throwing dodgeballs, which brings yeah, you all I back to that. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I thought about the dodgeball champions, yeah. uh, Ray Construction dodgeball That's champion That's what I'm team. talking about. Yeah. But uh, and he he I think it was a little bit of a setup, but he juked him out the whole way down the court, dunked the ball. It was pretty cool. But you know, how many games did he win last year with Washington? I think nine, he was be- right? nine. Nine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's something to be said about talent and talent of that level uh, out in Washington. I mean, they should it's be two winning. years in a row. Their first. Yep. Their, their uh, first picks haven't led their teams to the NCAA tournament. Ben, ben or Simmons. Been, yeah. Ben and Simmons so was the other one. They, who's going to teach these guys to be winners? I mean, you have all this right. great talent, but you'd have no veterans to teach these guys. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, Michael I, Jordan won an NCAA championship. I know he had a heck of a team around him. Mm-hmm. Right. But but still, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you saw leadership there from the word go. Um, I just feel like and the other thing about Fultz, too, is – He's electric, and if he stays healthy and get, can get to the rim like he can now, right. which is pretty impressive. His tape is impressive. But he's 6'4", mm-hmm. which is kind of small. I mean, it's not small for a point guard. That's kind of your sweet spot for a point guard. But, you know, we've talked about in other segments and past shows about po- how point guards aren't necessarily – you know, if your name's not Kyrie Irving or something like that, they're not necessarily taking you to the promised land. Yeah. Right. Without your, you know, your small forward, large forward, shooting guard type player, is the the player that you basically center your team around to go anywhere in the NBA Finals. And I see them unloading a six four point guard that really up until you know we started talking about the draft, nobody knew who the heck he was, unless you're really tuned into college basketball. And then they get the third pick, and then in the Lakers, you said, Trent, last year. Yeah, they get uh, the first pick next year, uh, which would be the Los Angeles Lakers. But here's the kicker. If the Lakers pick doesn't fall between number two and number five, 
then Philadelphia will instead send the 2019 first round rounder to Boston that it was acquired from the Sacramento Kings. Nice. I mean, so they're picking number three, and they're guaranteed next year to pick between two and five. Don't you have a feeling that Danny Ainge is at his office twiddling his yeah. fingers like? <laughs> but see, the other thing I'm wondering about Danny Ainge has been doing this for so long now. The, the the last few years, he's stockpiling all these number one picks, and at some point, when are you going to be like, okay, dude, either take all your first round picks and build your team, or do something with them right. to build your team? Like it's great to have all these assets, but if you just I mean, it's great to have a lot of money, but if you're still homeless living on the street, what good is it? Yeah, and that's why I don't know why Mayweather took this fight. How much money do you need, right? <laughs> yeah, but, right. But, you know, so who did – like, they've already schooled the Sixers on this pick. Now, Fultz could turn into, like, a mega superstar. I mean, he's got – And then they would lose. That would yeah, be the right. only way the Celtics lose this is if he becomes an all-star and helps them win a championship. And that's which, a – that's a big if. And yeah. I think that's the first time in what? How many years? It's been 20 years that the first years. pick has been traded because people are afraid to make that mistake. Yep. But there is not. If this was, you know, Kevin Durant or if this was, which he wasn't even the number one pick, but if this was LeBron James, there's no way that the Celtics would have traded that first pick. Right. So there's probably four guys that everyone's thinking about as the top four picks. That it doesn't matter who you get, you're going to get that same kind of quality, you know. And so you just won an extra first round pick next year because you gave away this first overall pick. I think it was put best that there is a superstar somewhere in this lottery first round, but it's not everybody knows a Kevin Durant. Yeah, it's not a LeBron James. It's not that type of player, you know. For me personally, and we've been harping on him all year long, that. If you switch this, if you get the third trade and all this other stuff they're getting from the Sixers, if Jason Tatum is sitting there at 6'8", the reason I like this guy is because I had to watch a lot of Jason Tatum yeah. <laughs> this past basketball year, and I yeah. saw what he did to our Tar Heels. And the improvement that he made in such a quick time, you know, Giles was supposed to be the guy coming in. Right. That was the name that you heard. He got hurt. That's off to the side. But nobody really saw Jason Tatum coming on like this. And the guy can do literally everything. Oh, I watch him play, and and he, I, I was he's NBA, right? I mean, and and the odd thing about that is, until maybe more recently, you didn't see that out of Duke. You saw great college players. Right. That, you know, Grant Hill, there's some exceptions that did well in the NBA, and you kind of thought they would. But Jason Tatum, I watched him play. He said, that's an NBA player. Right. Yeah, he's on an an NCAA team. He's on Duke's team, but he was an NBA player. He could shoot it outside. He could put it on the floor. He's like, what, 6'8", 6'9", something like that. I mean, it's uh, he's an NBA player. The cool thing about him is that if you're trying to gather tape on this guy, really all you need to do is watch one game. I mean, right. you see yeah. ESPN guys pulling tape on all these players and they're playing against other teams. You can take one game and you can see pretty much everything that he does. I remember it may have been a game against us. He At gets, Cameron. He gets, he gets points in the paint. He can shoot the three ball already. Maybe not NBA. Let's see how that works out. Right. He can take it coast to coast on a point as almost as a point guard. Now he'll be yeah. matched up with a lot more talent in the NBA. But if he's doing that his freshman year, playing in the ACC, that's pretty impressive. And that's what I like him. That combined with the size. Now, 
Trent, you were talking about who. Let's, you know, let's talk about these first three picks. Who, who do you think the Celtics might take at that pick? Well, I think that the guy that they're looking at is Josh Jackson. Even okay. though he hasn't worked out for him, and the only reason he hasn't worked out for him is because he feels like the, that team is too deep for him. But I think that's who uh, Danny Ainge is targeting. Right. Now, if the Lakers take Josh Jackson, you know, I don't know – because I know that the L.A. is not set on Ball or De'Aaron Fox. Uh, you know, I'm not sure who they would go Don't after. Don't you think um, there's a potential for Ball to have a little nervous drop in the green room? Like, I don't know. Man. It's kind of like um, I still think the Lakers are going to take him because Magic has gone on record saying that he likes the guy. And, right. He's real defensive when you ask him questions. Like he he'll stop you real quick. Cause you, you know you can't. I can't talk to you about things like that because it could be looked at as uh, him breaking some NBA rules. But you know if Magic doesn't Magic is very, has strong opinions and if he doesn't say nah, he's probably not for us or indicate something like that. I have a feeling that they'll take him. They'll take yeah. him. And I mean, uh, he'll just never leave Los Angeles ever. Ever, I'm rooting for the uh, Milwaukee Neither. Bucks to uh, take them. That's what you're rooting for? Yeah, oh, yeah. And LeVar Ball is going to be there forever, too. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. They're strong, and then there's Army strong. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts, every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit jimmyv.org. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All righty, welcome back. Missing some, Chris, missing some Kristen Lambert. Here's the last segment here. We're going to talk a little more NBA um, um, basketball draft here. Uh, have you seen the Paul George commercial where he's hitting the last second shot? And I'm like, only in a commercial, Paul. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, let me just, I, I'm just kind of, we've had that discussion before and you know, Paul George is probably kind of at his peak. I don't know how much you've seen of him, but he's become this name that's real hot right now. And yes, I do think he's a really good player. Not great, good. 
Let's talk a little bit about the you know the upcoming draft. And first of all, Paul George, if you put him on the Cavs, can they compete in the finals? So I mean, what you're talking about is Paul George came out yesterday and basically told all of Indiana and the world that in 2018 he was going to sign with the Lakers. So basically, what you did. Maybe he thought he was helping them, but you, he kind of screwed the Pacers because mm. now who, yeah, how you're, you're saying that you're a rental. So no matter what Indiana does, what are they going to get for him? Because everyone knows that what he wants to do is go play for the Lakers in 2018. Well, wouldn't that make him a really good fit in Cleveland? Because... LeBron James has also been rumored to wanting to play with the Lakers but with are, his buddies. Are right? you going to are you going to and what assets do you have to give up as Cleveland to get this guy that potentially could leave in a year? Now I was listening to them talk overnight last night and they were saying that Cleveland believes because of the atmosphere and the basketball mentality that they have being so great that they are pretty sure that Paul George could go there and love it, and but they won't think about it unless he wants to agree to a long-term deal. This is who, Cleveland? Cleveland. That he could go there, and it's unlike everybody that goes there as a veteran loves it there, and that he would want to do that. But... They're also saying that you got to move a Kyrie or a Love because they don't have enough to take on. Paul George is going to make, what, $28, $30 million a year? A and he's giving up. When he leaves next year, he's going to lose $40 million. It depends on who's making the calls for Cleveland, right? Because if it's, if it's LeBron James, if he's still got that much cred, then he's most likely making that call. If it's the ownership in the front office – then I can see what your point is. But if, you know, if the LeBron goes to the front office and says, look. Does he want Paul George over Love or Kyrie? I think what, what was proved, year. even though I'm a really big fan of uh, Kevin Love, we were missing out on some athleticism against mm-hmm. uh, the Warriors. And I think that Love can get really hot. He's a rebound machine. But we just didn't have the athletes. George is a small forward. So that, that means you move LeBron down to – play where Kevin Love was. Or, I mean, LeBron can play wherever he That's wants. Right. That, right. That's right. It doesn't so matter. About that doesn't matter. That's what's but so still. good about him. But, I mean, just think about that for a second. LeBron makes the pitch, look, I might, you know, behind closed doors, I'm out after another year. I've gotten you a ring. I might be able to get you two. Let me – help me get you two with Paul George. Then I'll have an opportunity to play with this guy. Then I join – my buddy Carmelo and Chris Paul out in L.A., and then I'll like see the rest of my career out and see if I can get a couple of other rings. It makes a lot of sense. But uh, one interesting thing, too, David, you were talking about these uh, draft picks coming in. Um, the projected, oh, yeah. The, uh, the projected drafts um, picks in order. We were talking about you know where Jason Tatum would go and the rest of these guys. You right. gave me a stat that was pretty amazing, and I know this is showing some Homer ACC style, but yeah, let's let's read off some. So uh, starting down at thirty, Frank Jackson from Duke, uh, twenty-eight, Donovan Mitchell from Louisville. Uh, then we'll go up to North Carolina, Tony Bradley, Florida State, Dwayne Bacon. Uh, mm, bacon. Bacon. Luke Kennard, Duke. 
Mr. Just YMCA himself, head fakes galore, canard. John Collins <laughs> from Wake Forest, Justin Jackson from North Carolina, Harry Giles from Duke, uh, Dennis Smith Jr. from NC State, Jonathan Isaac from Florida State, and, uh, of course, Jason Tatum from Duke. I mean, these are all ACC players. It's like 14 out of 30 right. potential first-round picks it kind of reminds come you, out of the ACC. Like SEC in their football right. draft or any given year in Kentucky <laughs> right. with, their, with their picks going into the – yeah, that's an amazing stat. But the thing about ACC is they just – especially Duke, they just reload year after well, year. Well, two of them from Florida State. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Jonathan Isaac, uh, your second projected ACC pick, uh, which that, that's maybe a little under the radar, maybe just because he's down there in Florida. But yeah. well, anyway. we're talking about Frank Jackson. I was ready for him to leave. Um, he's probably in terms of point guards and being picked in the top thirty is probably the best kept secret out there. Um, he really started to turn on. But um, yeah, I was really impressive about how the ACC, what how kind how much talent's coming out. Right. But, uh, but um, back to this Paul George thing, I think that that will set the table. What is Okay, so let's say Paul George goes he, – he's a rental player, goes somewhere else, and then ends up with the Lakers in 2018 or whatever. Yeah. What does Cleveland do then? What are their options? How do they get better? I mean, they tried to pick Bogut up. Dude gets injured, I think, his first game back. Yeah, first five right. minutes into it or something. No, like 38 seconds or something like into it. And then Darren Williams starts playing like he's playing intramural basketball with David Kaplan at Carolina. You know, I'm just kidding, David. I'm sure you yeah. got skills. We, we competed in that, but we didn't do too well. We, we didn't play too well. But uh, he just didn't turn out. And so that was last year's stab. After they right. got loved the, the previous year and they knew they were going to have to be matched up with the Warriors, what did they do? Who's available out there that can help them um, compete? I mean, I think if they're not going to – they can win the East again just like they are. Sure. Right. Keep the players they are. But it's not about winning the East. Are they going to beat Golden State? Which yeah. I don't think anybody can. They'd have to hope for injury. And to I mean, really? I, yeah, and to try to even compete with Golden State, what are you going to do? You're going to sacrifice your whole future with LeBron potentially leaving again, if that's what's going to happen, which is crazy to me. But well, yeah. I think why would he want to do that? I think everybody was kind of saying that Celtics were not one player away from beating the Cavs, but from seriously competing yeah. with the Cavs. Well, I think right. Celtics is the next team to so beat in the East. you put a top three pick on that team going into this year, figure out what you're going to do with uh, the point guard there. Isaiah Thomas, you could trade him, but they have nine first-round picks that you levy. Heck, you throw two or three of those to the Bulls and you have Jimmy Butler. You know, I mean, they're, they're the team that probably – once LeBron does whatever, they're probably going to be the kings of the East here coming up in the next two or three years. Plus, Gordon Hayward is going to go. Right. There's a big controversy on Instagram that his daughter had a shamrock shirt on the back. Oh, wow. His uh, wife posted, and everyone's like, oh, he's going to Boston, and yada, yada. Yeah, nobody so. can keep a secret anymore. Nobody. No. You know, um, that's what I think Ainge is doing with all of this is that you said, well, how much, how many picks do you, you know, accumulate? He's waiting for LeBron to, to start to age out 
which he's he's we can all agree that he's finally he's hit his peak. He's got to be coming it's, down. From yeah, there. it's only going to go down from there. But then you know the Celtics are thinking he's everybody's thinking he's going to move out west and play in L.A. Um, that's what everybody's talking about. Everybody's closest to him. How are they going to make it work with Paul? I mean, does Chris Paul want to come to Cleveland to play? I mean, not that Chris Paul, you know, he he needs to be able to stay healthy, but does more importantly, does Carmel, Carmelo Anthony want to come to Cleveland? I don't. Right. I just don't see that happening. He's been in New York City. It's kind of anywhere else outside of LA. It's kind of a step down. But um, I think that's what Ainge is doing. Is he's like setting the table post LeBron years and they're going to have an incredible as long as they you know can dodge like you were saying David dodge injury right they're going to be able to set up a really good run for themselves in the east coast and then you got to be young to play against this golden state team right young and coming on you know mm-hmm. cuz we just saw in the finals you just don't Cleveland just didn't have I think um Winhurst the guy who really covers LeBron closely he put it perfectly in my eyes is that they were one and a half athlete short of competing with gold. I, uh, I agree with that. And I thought that was the, after watching the finals, I felt like that was the actual perfect way to put that because it just seemed like it was so close. You know, game three, they blew. Right. Game, f- hey, they went. Go ahead. Cavs and nine. Cavs and nine. That's, <laughs> I meant to start the whole show um, talking to David Kaplan last week after the last show, and, and it's no secret that I'm a big LeBron fan and was pulling for the Cavs. He goes, don't worry about it, man. It's Cavs in nine <laughs> after they got eliminated. I was like, I'll have to – and I have been using that line. I just for some reason chose not to start off the show. But it'll be interesting on how things shake up. I think, I think the thing that I'm looking forward to, not so much the picks – I'm looking. I think there's going to be a lot more trades than what we think. There's okay. going to be some big names. I mean, even if you and I'm a Celtics fan, I, I, I must out myself on that. Yeah. Um, now they're even talking about. They've talked about everybody, whether it's Jimmy Butler, Paul George. Now they're talking about Anthony Davis, maybe leveraging some of those first round picks to New Orleans for Anthony Davis. The Celtics. I mean, and with with what they have, they can pretty much do. They can start any of those rumors they want. Right. right. And it's going to be a great offseason to see what LeBron does with his Cleveland Cavaliers because I don't care what anybody says. He's the one in charge of it. And, uh, you know, the only thing I'm rooting for is I hope that ball does not end up in L.A. as a Laker because I think that would just be hilarious. And uh, Well, one thing I just read, I mean, while we've been talking about this, is it's out now that the Lakers are trying to uh, acquire another first-round pick. Yeah. So that may be the domino that falls before well, all of these. The teams. two and the twenty-eighth pick, right? And they're trying to get somebody else to get back up into the lottery area. That's right. Mm-hmm. So, which so, means they're going to move Randall or you know some of these other younger guys that they have. I could see. I really could see. <clears throat> I could see the potential for the camera being on ball in the green room and him slipping. He's six-six that shoots the ball from his hip. He's yeah. got a dad who's a nightmare. Oh, I, hey, I agree. I would do it just to not let the dad win. Unfortunately, I'm not a big fan. Big baller. Don't let the I, don't let the dad win. And the commercial was so great that came out when you know you got talking about Father's Day and he's like uh, Jason Tatum's like yeah we did a lot of fishing a lot of fishing me and my dad <laughs> Lonzo Ball goes yeah my dad said that only one team in the NBA needs to even draft me <laughs> next year so thanks for joining us. 
See us next time on The Cheap Seats. You're listening to Crystal Lambert and Brandon Atkin. You might not love your seats, but you'll love the show. When I was just a tiny baby, I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today, or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today.